0: Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And on today's show, it's our second show of the week. We have the co-founders of Substack, Chris Best, and Hamish McKenzie. You are listening to a media podcast, so I don't need to tell you that Substack is the media platform that lives in our heads rent-free, as the kids say. Uh, very controversial, fast-growing, maybe it's destabilizing to big news organizations, maybe it's providing new outlets and, and new ways to monetize for, for writers, maybe all of the above. Hamish and Chris are on today because they've got news they want to announce about a local journalism initiative. But we, of course, spent a lot of time talking about the last few months and the last year and, and where they want to go. And, and we got to ask some pointed questions and. I get to hear what they say in response it is a good interview um there's a couple pauses here because hamish is talking to us from new zealand but we figured it all out we're glad they came on you can listen to it right now i am talking today with chris best and hamish mckenzie the co-founders of substack who are in the news a lot uh recently and uh we're going to chat with them about that but they also have some news they want to talk about so let's start with that hey guys hey Before we get to your announcement, first of all, we should just, for the listeners, because there's two of you, announce who's who. So, Chris, why don't you say hello? Hello. That's Chris Best. And Hamish, you can say hello. Hello, I'm Hamish. Okay. So, one of them has a, to our American ears, an accent. So, now you can understand who's who. Um... Now that we've gone through that ungainly and ugly introduction that I'm sure is making my producer, Zach, pull his hair out, um, why don't you guys tell us about your local news initiative and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. We are launching today Substack Local, which is a $1 million investment in accelerating the local news ecosystem based on the Substack model. Essentially, we think local news is incredibly important to a functioning society and we are like many other people, really concerned about the state of local news, worried about the trend and the direction it's heading in, and think that there's kind of no number of efforts here that are, are enough. Like, there should be more people trying to do something to help local news. And so this is our this is our attempt. We think the subscription model can work really well for it, and we've seen good evidence of success of it on Substack, and so we want to do more. So
0: this is a version of of what was now called the Substack Pro model, where you've got a pool of a million dollars and you're gonna distribute it to how many folks? 20, 30?
1: We're saying um, up to 30 people um, can sort of share in this uh, million dollar sum. And the way uh, we're structuring it is that we will pay cash advances essentially. So over the course of a a year, uh, these publishers can get enough money to take away financial concerns. And during that year, Substack will just keep most of the subscription revenue and that helps kickstart their businesses. By the time that year's over, they revert to the standard substack model terms, which is they keep 90% of the revenue. we, we keep 10. So this is this is a, a jump start and again, it's, it's something you'd, you've done for,
0: for other authors as well. Um, who do you imagine is a recipient for this? Is this someone who's on Substack already and doing something uh, or someone who hasn't made the jump yet to Substack and, and
1: wants to start creating their own local newsletter? Certainly open to both and uh, open to unconventional choices on on this as well. Like it might be someone you may not expect to be really interested in building a local news publication or or business, but also very interested in independent writers or local news reporters who are considering independence and uh, have a vision for how they can serve their community through uh, a journalism project. So we are quite open on that question.
0: How do, how do you think Substack works as a local news platform? We've seen local news has been in crisis for now a, a couple of decades. The Internet just sort of just cut it in half and you can bring Craigslist or Yahoo or all of the above and the newspapers themselves. Uh, people have been trying to figure out how to do some version of digital local news. And by, by and large, it has not been successful. How do you think a Substack model, which is again an email newsletter, works?
2: I think the important thing to remember is that the demand for local news has not gone away, right? People still care about the city they live in. They still care about the issues that affect their local government, their local businesses, their local area. It's something that people still still want. And one of the things we've been seeing on Substack over and over again is the demand for great writing and great journalism exists, and people want to... People want to pay for it. People want to support it. And they just need a model that lets them do that, that works That works now. And so we've already seen a bunch of people doing local news on Substack and succeeding at it. And we think that there's massive potential for more of it. And if we can just help kind of like kickstart that, plant the seeds of this ecosystem, we'll see a lot more of it succeeding with the normal Substack model where readers pay for writers they trust and believe in.
0: I mean, one of the, the common... Um perceptions of Substack, which I think is largely accurate is that the people who are going to Substack, who've been in traditional news organizations or are just creating a, a newsletter themselves, aren't doing a lot of sort of original reporting. They're doing aggregation, they're doing takes, they're doing opinion, all of which can be valuable. Um, it seems to me that with the local news crisis, the problem is there just aren't enough people who are on the ground talking to people in the community. Um, and while you say there's demand for it, there hasn't been enough demand to pay people to do that. So again, how does the newsletter? I mean, how do you think Substack
1: solves that? I think this this model is working really well for those who are doing uh, reporting. If you look at Judd Legum with Popular Information, he's mm-hmm. created a, a pure play reporting uh, outfit based on this model and is succeeding wildly with it. But we also do see it at the local news level as well. There's the Charlotte Ledger, which is a a business news publication in North Carolina. There's uh, something out of Manchester United Kingdom called The Mill, which is uh, off to a really great start. The Rover, which is a Montreal Gazette reporter, left his job there to create a publication uh, based on Montreal and on Substack. So we do see... We do see a lot of uh, encouraging science that, that the model also works for reporting and for local news. And that's why we're putting in this uh, sizable chunk of money to to make a bit, a bigger bet on it.
0: Yeah, I've talked to Judd about his newsletter right when he was launching it. And he obviously has a national, maybe in, an international audience. And again, we sort of seen that throughout the internet. If this th- these things work when you have really large scale, again, they run into problems locally. I talked to all three of the guys that you just mentioned who are doing local uh, news in the last day and and some other folks that you've pointed to as as success stories or doing encouraging work on on, in local news on Substack. And it was a kind of interesting survey. Um, There was one guy who started last fall, uh, that's Yoshi uh, from, from Manchester and now is doing well enough that he's hired a junior reporter and they've rented out some office space. Uh, Someone else uh, quits doing Substack last year because it wasn't financially feasible. And the remaining four or five folks I talked to all like what they're doing on Substack, but it's also not a full-time job for them or it's not replacing income they had at their last journalism job. Um, And I'm wondering if you think Substack can support local news journalists, uh full-time or whether this is going to be sort
1: of a side gig or something you do on top of other work i think you can do it full-time i think that in some cases people are starting these journeys and they're not necessarily going to be um at um, massive income right now but that the trends are all really good and we do see people making full-time livings and starting to hire people even in the local news space i think the economics of this model actually lend itself uh, lend itself really well to local news because the large scale, the world where you need a large scale audience is a is a different world to the Substack world. The, the world where you need a large scale audience is when you need to monetize through advertising or you know carve up your audience into specific demographics. With Substack, you don't need you don't even need tens of thousands of people to be paying to support your work. You, you kind of need a thousand, and we're seen that over and over again that that works, and that's a that's a very achievable number if you have the right focus and energy and um, market niche. I talked to you guys right when you launched fall of 2017
0: and and there the comp was ben thompson um who created his own newsletter out of taiwan um and i don't remember you talking about local news at the time it didn't seem like something was on your radar when when did this become something you were interested in
1: well i've been i personally have been very interested in local news for a long time i read a blog post a couple of years ago uh, about this i can send it to it i'll send it to all your listeners after the call (laughs) um i come from journalism backgrounds and have a lot of friends who worked in local news. I've worked in local news myself. Uh, it's always been an interest for us. And now I just felt the right time where we have enough evidence that it's working and we are in a position to uh, really do a great job with this. Uh, now felt the right time to really move on it. Is there a connection between you guys
0: announcing it this week and uh, the grief slash controversy? Pick, pick whatever uh, euphemism we want to use around Substack uh, in the last
1: couple of weeks or months? No, really. I think uh, we just want to keep doing positive things for writers and help show that there's a good, strong future for the media. And we're not going to dictate our sort of decisions on timing based on chatter. So, okay, so
0: bit, one more time on the local journalism thing. So there's going to be a, a million dollars into a pool, 20 to 30 writers are going to get that. Um, how are you going to gauge success at the end of that? Do you expect all 20 to 30 of those writers to have ongoing sub stacks that are full time jobs or, or more at the end of the year? Or is this something where you're going to need
1: several years for this to play out? I think by the end of the year, we should have um, a good number of those. It doesn't have to be that everything is successful, but we want to set up these publications so that they have the maximum chance of succeeding. We want to have a good number of these either already, already like um, successful business concerns or on a path to being that.
2: I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, the eventual, the eventual, like we, this is an investment for us, right? We, we want these, we want these things to succeed. We want these things to, to go on to be wildly successful. We, our whole business model is aligned with writers, and that's sort of why, why we do this in the first place.
0: And again, the, the, this is the same terms, basically, as the Substack Pro model, which has been written about a lot and we're going to talk about. Um, but just to underscore, you guys do view this as an investment. You're not, This is not altruism on your part. You, you're, you're giving people money with the expectation
1: they're going to generate income for you, Substack. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing that needs to be addressed in local news. It's not that the quality of reporting isn't there or that the the software tools aren't there or that the demand isn't there. I think I think the the problem is that the business model is failing. And no one's really sure what business model is, is going to help. And so we want to put forward an idea for a business model that might work. And so that's what this program is all about.
0: Yeah, actually, on that note, um, of the the folks I talked to who are doing Substack local journalism, uh, with the exception of one, um, I think it's Yashi, I, I apologize for butchering his name in Manchester, who who told me explicitly that he has got an entrepreneurial bent and he likes the idea of building a business and using Substack as the tool. The others all said, "Yeah, you know, this is fine, we're happy that Substack handles all this, this backend for us, but the truth is running a Substack platform requires work. You have to figure out how to how to attract new subscribers. You've got to go out and beat the bushes. In some cases where that's not covering your expenses, you've got to figure out grants and philanthropy. And what I really want to do, they tell me, is I want to do journalism. Um, is there a way to, to lighten that load for them? Your pitch is, we're going to do everything for you. We're going to take 10%. You just go do journalism. What these guys are telling me, and they are, we're all guys, is that's not exactly true. There's still a lot of of entrepreneurial grind that I have to do here, some folks would say that's great. You should do that. Welcome to entrepreneurialism. Uh, other folks would say there sh- there should be a way for journalists to do journalism and not have to worry about metrics and and covering the back end. Um, is there anything you guys can do to to alleviate some of those concerns?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this is. A- a large part of what we see our our job as, right? Like we are. are I think I joked with you last time we had this conversation. Our, the pitch we want to make to writers is: we do everything for you except the hard part, right? If you can, if you can do journalism, you can write something that lots of people care about, that lots of people want to read, that that earns and keeps the trust of your readership, who you are serving their true interests. We want to make Substack the vehicle that can get every other barrier out of your way, whether that's you know, how do, I, how do I pay my rent for the first few months while I'm starting to do this? Whether that's how do I cobble together a bunch of software tools to do that? But increasingly, we're adding on other services to take other pieces of this away. We can talk about Substack Defender, which is answering the question that is really relevant to local journalists, which is, what happens when I'm the only journalist left? covering some local politician and they decide to try and shut me up by sending me bogus legal threats, right? That's the kind of thing that writers, we don't think writers should have to worry. Like we, we want to help sur- like give an easy way to solve that problem. And we've got other services that are actually launching as part of this that Hamish could probably talk about that are helping with all of kind of like the human side of everything it takes to, to make one of these things go.
1: Yeah, we, we kind of think of the like, if you're going to be a platform for independent writers building businesses like this, you can't just be software like there there is other infrastructure that needs to be built up around writers to support this independent work. And so we are connecting people in this program, for example, to mentors and we've done mentorship programs before at Substack. There's the Defender program for the US uh, people. There will be a connection to healthcare programs. There's going to be tax advice, design support, that kind of thing. It's not to say that uh, any of this is supposed to be easy or like you just show up and start your blog and therefore you're guaranteed success. It is hard work. You are building a media business and it's not supposed to be easy, but we will do everything we can to make that uh, less of a challenge and set people up for success. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation
0: with Hamish and Chris. and We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's zoom out a little bit. Um, like we keep alluding to, a lot of controversy around you guys. Uh, you occupy a lot of mind share among the the chattering classes that I guess I'm in that I guess this podcast uh, reaches. Ben Smith seems to write about you every week. It's not actually true, but but he did write about you this week. The headline was why we're all freaking out about substack. You know, and we I like making fun of 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 Ben's uh, self-interest there, but but he's got a point, right, which is, there's something you're doing here and other people can do it, but something you guys are doing where you are, you've created an off-ramp for journalists of a certain stature and following um, often at very big national publications that have spent a lot of money helping those people reach um, that status and saying, we can can provide a home for you where you can do all the stuff you want and get paid a lot more than you're making at the New York Times or wherever. Um, I don't think that necessarily means the New York Times is going to zero. But it certainly seems like you guys do pose a threat to a lot of established media companies. And I'm wondering if you thought that was going to happen when you started this back in 2017, and if you think that's a fair
1: characterization now. I don't see, I see like Substack as a way to give writers more options. And I don't see us as a threat to traditional media companies. I think that they can. They can do similar things to Substack. They can experiment with this model. They can participate in the ecosystem. And Substack itself is just part of a broader media ecosystem where we're one of the options. It's, it's um, additive, not, um, it's not a replacement. How do you think the
0: Times and other publications like this, which are not gonna be happy about seeing this week a Charlie Warzel leave after a few years, um, are re- re- going to react how they are reacting to what you've been doing over the last year?
1: New York Times is in a really strong position. They're one one of the largest news organizations on the planet, and they can afford to pay their writers really well. And when we see a writer pursue independence to go do the work that they care most about in a model that, that really suits them and potentially make a lot more money, then we're really happy for the writer. I think the New York Times can respond to that. They're in a very strong position, and that will be good for writers. And so. You feel, feel good about that situation. And, and back to the sort of what you
0: thought this was going to be when you started. Did you think this is going to be an off ramp for the Charlie Warzells and Matt Iglesias of the world and Glenn Greenwalds of the world? Or again, the, the, the initial pitch was this is if you're a Ben Thompson, we, we're it's going to make it easier for you. And the idea was Ben Thompson wasn't someone who was in traditional journalism at the time. He'd sort of started it. He did start on his own. Um, did you imagine that was the model?
2: So we've always imagined, you know, we set out to make Substack a great place for writers who already have a following, who are already, who, who are already, sort of well known and doing their thing. It's very important that Substack is a great place and a great option for those for those folks, and we love to have them. And we love to see them succeed. We've always thought that the most exciting part about Substack is not what the option that it, not only the option that it provides to kind of like existing writers where they, you know, they want to do the work they're most excited about and this is a better vehicle to do it. The most exciting part about Substack for us is all of the people who have a lot to give the world as writers, but who otherwise might never have had the opportunity to become writers. And so the things that give us the most sort of like the the most conviction that we're, we're, we're doing the right thing is when we see people start on Substack who weren't, already at the New York Times, who weren't already in the kind of like media ecosystem and who have something to give, but who didn't feel like being a writer was an option. And they go on to be wildly successful. And, you know, to your point about the being much discussed among the chattering classes, these are not the cases that you hear the most about, but they are happening on Substack more and more. And we think To the extent that we succeed in our ambitions, down the line, a large share of the revenue and the value and the great writing that gets created on Substack isn't going to come from only the people who are famous writers today, although we love to have them. It's going to come from people who never would have been writers, who who felt like they had to... Go to law school like their parents wanted them to instead, but who seeing what's possible on Substack and seeing how you can, that lowers the barrier and you can kind of get started and build momentum, that becomes an option and the world is richer for having their writing.
0: It's something I hear a lot when I talk to people on Substack, because I have to spend time talking to Substack writers for stories. And uh, one thing you hear a lot from even people who are successful, but not at the Glenn Greenwald, Matt Iglesias, generating hundreds of thousands of dollars a year level, say, you know, there's a lot of us doing interesting stuff on Substack, and we wish that people either outside Substack sort of realized that and paid attention to us. And by the way, we'd like some, the folks who run Substack to pay more attention to us. Um, That seems like a natural tension for you that's difficult to handle because on the one hand, you need the Glenn Greenwalds and Matt Iglesias's, one, because they generate a lot of attention, two, they generate a lot of income for you guys, a lot of revenue at least. Um, But I assume the model is very much also based on having tens of thousands of people generating much smaller amounts for you at the same time. So I'm wondering how you think about balancing both ends of that poll.
2: We think of it not as uh, those as kind of like distinct buckets we think of it as, as a life cycle, as a journey, right? We think of people who are starting out on Substack today who are not writers, who don't have an audience yet and who, you know, there may be tens of thousands of them and so we can't get on the phone with all of them individually. We believe quite strongly that five years from now, a lot of our the people who are our top writers and who are making most of the money will be the people who are starting today in relative, you know, relative uh, uh, obscurity. And so we want to make sure that we build the platform, that we build our support system, that we are, are listening to the things that they want and need to, to grow um, because we actually think that that's, you know, we we think that's in our own self-interest and in, in a way we've designed the business model of the company to make sure that that is in our self-interest. We want to be aligned in such a way that if you're an unknown writer starting on Substack today, maybe we can't get on the phone with you and talk to you, although we would like to. We want to make the product work for you so that you can build this thing. You you have everything you need to, to build this thing. And, and we take down all of the barriers to your success. So one of the things
0: that the, the Matic Laces of the world, and but not necessarily Glenn Greenwald, and this is where it starts to get muddled and confusing, are, are are getting from you guys, are these advances. You're now calling them Substack Pro. Works the same way as the local journalism project we just talked about. You guys give them a chunk of money. They, on top of that, they generate, they collect 15% of revenue. And then after a year, they go back to getting 90% of the revenue um, without any stipend from you. Um, you've been playing around with this idea for a while. And then recently you sort of formalized it and said, here's Substack Pro. Why, why go out and make those deals with relatively high profile writers? What's, what's the thinking there as opposed to some writers? Again, I think Glenn Greenwald and Andrew Sullivan among them just came over and didn't have the deal and just signed on right away. Why why do you need those deals?
2: So the exciting part about the deal, maybe Hamish, you can correct me if I'm I'm sort of misrepresenting this, but we kept having these conversations where we would go to someone and we would say, you would make so much money on Substack and you could be independent. You'd own your own content. You could do X, Y, and Z. You could do the work you think is most important, yada, yada, yada. And they would say, I, I love that idea. That sounds amazing. I wish I could do that tomorrow, but I don't have a bunch of money in my bank account. You know, maybe I've got a kid, maybe I've got X, Y, Z. And the, the risk of doing that, even though it sounds great, The risk of doing it is preventing me from doing it. And in a world where that's the case, the people who are going to be able to make the leap are people that already have a lot of money. And while we think that's great, we wanted to make sure that this path to independence on Substack is also available to people that just don't have a bunch of money in their bank account. And so if we can make them a a win-win deal where we say, hey... Why don't we take some of that financial risk for you for your first year? We're going to like, we believe in you so much that we can advance this money in a way that we think we're actually going to make it back. Like this is, a, this is not, again, not charity. This is a smart business decision for us, but we can take some of the risk. You exchange some of the upside for that, but it gives you this chance to go independent, to make your own thing. And then, you know, starting in year two and, and, and onwards, get the same deal as everyone else it's just really compelling to a lot of folks. And it helps a lot of people start on Substack who might otherwise not have been able to. And we think that's great, and we're, we'll do that all day.
0: And how many people are in are in Substack Pro now or some version of that? There's a few dozen. A few dozen. And And how
1: do you decide who you make those offers to? We look at the chances of business success, mostly. Does this seem like the sort of writer who has a devoted audience that would follow them when they announce a new project on Substack? Do they look like they're covering a market where there could be an appetite for a publication? Those are the, those are kind of the key things. And what are, what are you using to guide that? Is
0: that it seems like it's mostly Twitter, not necessarily followers, but engagement.
2: The best is if you already have an email list. Of course, mm-hmm. if you already have an email list, we love that. So start on Substack today.
1: Yeah, social social media. Like maybe you have an audience on Twitter. Maybe you have an audience on Instagram or Facebook. We've seen uh, various examples of that. And Chris
0: and I have been talking about this for a year at least, because um, this perception that you guys are are sort of particularly receptive to disaffected white guys who are no longer who don't or can't work at formerly liberal publications or liberal publications. How much do you try to steer out of that, if at all, when you're making these pitches to other writers so you do have people who don't
1: fit that mold um, on the platform? That that question doesn't come up for us as much as it seems to come up for a lot of people. You can go to subsac.com and click around the leaderboards and see some of them, amazing writers on there who don't fit that mold.
0: So you're not actively trying to find People who aren't white guys, for instance, and say we, we'd be really interested in you joining because we, we do in fact have this perception problem, and we want to, we want to we want to
1: help rectify that. To the extent that we are thinking about what someone covers or you know what sort of background someone represents, we're looking for just a broad range of views and voices in general. So one of the things that's come up in the
0: last couple of months is this idea that. that People are saying you, you're subsidizing this voice that we don't like or we find uh, offensive or, or we think is harassing us. But we don't know um, who has a Substack Pro deal, who doesn't. Um, the way you guys have left it so far is if an individual writer wants to say they've got a deal, they are free to, There's no end, is there an NDA that prevents them from doing that? No. There's no restriction. So any, anyone who wants to disclose, Matt Iglesias is happy to tell people exactly how much money he's making, um, others aren't. Could you go back and sort of go back to the individual writers and say, look, we'd just like to make the whole thing transparent and just get this off our back and and just here's the full
2: list? We, I mean, we defer to the writers on this, right? We think that we're here to serve writers. We want to, we want to respect their wishes and we want to give them the opportunity to talk about or not talk about their financial situation as they would like to.
1: Yes. Kind of like we're not really looking to prioritize our PR comfort over their concerns.
0: Do you think it's reasonable for a reader to go, I would like to know what kind of relationship this writer has with the platform? Either, you know, they either they either have some deal like this or they don't and I'd like to know that.
2: I think it's reasonable for the writer to make that call.
0: Now we'll get into the, the platform versus publication question, which again, you guys have talked about. It seems quite clear to me that the, the, the way the business was built, the reason you have VC money is that you um, think of yourself as a platform where sort of the, the users are creating the content, you're connecting a group of sellers with a group of buyers, that's the audience, and, and participating in, the, in that transaction. Um, then again, other folks say, no, you've, you've given money to Matt Iglesias or whomever. Um, you're now, you now have an editorial role. You're making decisions about who's on
1: the platform and what kind of writers are on the platform. So how do you square those two ideas? Well, the writers own everything on Substack. They own their content. They own their copyright, Mm -hmm. their reader relationships. They can take all that with them anytime. We're not having any editorial influence whatsoever on their work. We're not seeking to have it. We kind of see ourselves as the, the writers are not in service of Substack. The Substack is in service of the writers. So that's how we think about it. They they build businesses that they own con- and control on Substack, and we lead them to it.
0: But at the very least, right? You're going out to them and saying we think you'd be great on Substack. You go to Ben Smith and say we think you'd be great on Substack. That's a decision, right? You make him, him him an offer. That's a decision. It's not purely this this platform that that people are just picking up. I mean, in some cases they are picking it up on their own. You don't have any interaction with them, and
1: and that's that. But in other cases, you are at least steering in one way or another. We go to a wide range of voices and people who we think can succeed with this particular business model. And that's about it. They come to Substack and build their business and we stay out of it.
0: Were you surprised to see criticism of, of, of your relationship with writers X, Y, or Z, or did you anticipate that if you got big enough, this would be something you'd be stepping into eventually?
2: I I don't think we're terribly surprised.
0: So um, one of the complaints that you hear and you guys have heard because there's been a lot of discussion about it is whether or not you are directly giving someone money or not, you are still providing a space for people who in some cases people find really odious. I think that's the word I use. Um, I asked someone to, to describe it this way. This is a quote. Regardless of their intent, their loudest best known publications are from people who've been very loud, gadflies about trans shit, usually from a point of view that many trans people interpret as antagonistic. Let um, me start there. How do you respond to that critique?
2: I mean, we, we're we a platform. We have lots of people of a, of a really wide range of voices and opinions and thoughts. Again, we don't seek to control what they write. We think that it's important that people have freedom of expression on Substack. And I actually don't, I, you know, I, I think that there, there really are a, a wide, <laughs> there really are an extremely wide set of voices and people on Substack.
1: Yeah, and there's like, for anyone who's opposed to uh, one particular voice or one particular expression of a view on Substack, you'll find the opposite too.
0: So eventually all of the platforms that get big enough end up having, even though they don't want to generally be involved in moderation, end up having to be involved in moderation, right? And you get to the YouTube and Facebook scale and they're spending, hiring tens of thousands of people um, to help figure out what should or shouldn't be on the platform. You guys are not at that scale, you're a young startup. Um, Do you think that you are going to have to invest resources and spend a lot of time figuring out if so-and-so has violated terms of service and and or shouldn't be on the platform? Or is this something you just don't wanna engage in at all?
2: Here's one really big difference between Substack and Facebook or YouTube is on Substack as a reader you choose what you read. You go and you, you know, you subscribe to people, you seek out the writing that you care about and we are not in the position of having a news feed that's sort of like recommending stuff to you or having a a recommended video feed or a next video recommendation that's kind of like pulling you down these rabbit holes and so i think to some extent the fact that facebook and youtube have to do so much moderation at scale is not a natural law of the universe of having a large platform it's a consequence of how their business model works where they're kind of like recommending stuff to you because they're maximizing for engagement, right? The way that the algorithm works is going to pull in bad directions. And so they get this awkward problem where they then have to engage in heavy-handed moderation to kind of combat this problem that is a consequence of their business model. I think to a large extent, because Substack operates under different laws of physics, because readers are choosing for themselves what to see, because we have a business model that doesn't require us to kind of like grab your attention at every turn, but instead wants to give you things that you deeply value, we actually have an easier version of this problem, right? Like if you don't like something that you're reading on Substack, you have a really good remedy, which is you can unsubscribe and you'll never see it again. And that's like a really powerful answer to that question. So I do think in general, we, we have a better model that helps avoid some of the problems that YouTube and Facebook uh, have to face as a consequence of their model. All of that said, you know, we don't, we've written about this pretty extensively. We don't think that we can get away with having zero moderation. We don't think we're going to take an approach that says, you know, just being in favor, uh, in, strongly in favor of freedom of the press as we are, doesn't mean that we step back and say, well, you can do literally anything on Substack because that wouldn't work. And so we are going to have to invest more and more over time in making this work. I just think we have a better version of this problem than other platforms do.
0: You guys do have a terms of service uh, page or statement. Have you removed anyone from the platform for violating those? Yes. And the, uh, one person that generates a lot of attention, particularly Graham Linehan, uh, TV writer, um, writes about trans issues, is antagonistic towards trans folks generally, um, was kicked off Twitter last year. Um, I get asked about him a lot. I'm sure you do. What, is, what, is, what do you tell people when they ask about Graham Linehan?
2: we tell them we don't comment on kind of individual moderation decisions that we make.
0: I know that answer won't, won't, won't please a bunch of folks, but that's the answer. Um, and last here, uh, I know you've gotten this question too, but I'll ask you anyway. I'm wondering now that you've, you've, you've shown people there is a business here, potentially a big business, um, you now have um, competitors coming from Twitter Facebook. There's an open source competitor named Ghost. In theory, pretty much anyone can spin a version of this up. You guys have made it very easy for your writers to leave. You've promised them they can take their mailing list and all their content when they leave. Um, First of all, do you think you're ever going to change that and and sort of create a moat and make it more difficult for your writers to leave? Do you ever imagine a point where you go back and say, you can't export this mailing list after all because that's the entire business we've built up?
2: This is actually key to how... The Substack model works. This is part of why it works as well as it does. It's a recognition of the fact that platforms don't own people or shouldn't own people anymore. People should own their platforms, especially writers. Writers who have a following and have a trusted audience, they are the ones in control. They're the ones that have the, the, that are making the valuable thing. And the model that, that Substack promotes is... Basically, a recognition of that, and we've set up our our how the platform works and our business model specifically to sort of nurture that independence. Right, like people can leave, and even if we tried to stop them from leaving, we wouldn't actually be able to, right? And this is this is why this is why so many people come to Substack is because the other people can't stop them from leaving either. And so there's not a you could
0: introduce more friction there. You could say
2: yeah, you you could, but but. Like the the damage in trust that we would get, the the very best writers would look at us doing that and they would say, aha, like they're not the ones that are going to truly have my interest at heart. And so we've always we've set up the whole system in such a way that if we want to keep writers, our moat can't be kind of like fencing them in and telling them they can't leave because we know that even if we tried, that wouldn't work. And they would just go to some other platform that gave a better version of that. The way that we have to keep people is by providing more value for being on Substack so that although they can leave at any time, they don't want to because it works well for them. You know, that's the, those are the problems that we're excited about solving. That's the business that we want to be in. And we think that we've, we've got a lot of good things that, that do just that.
0: How much will pricing matter, do you think, down the line once people sort of have their heads around this and they've got a real sense of what the 10% that you're charging now would cost them versus the 5%? Um, there's other fees that you guys charge that, that, you know, as you start to rack up more writers become more significant. Um, you have a bunch of VC money, but you're not Facebook, you're not Twitter, you're also not a nonprofit. Um, how, do you, how do you maintain that, that pricing?
2: When you get into the economics of these businesses, as we have, as we've been working on these advances and all these programs, the thing that you quickly realize is that the, the thing that determines how much money a writer is going to make, how successful they're going to be, is not the fees they're paying. The thing that really matters for these businesses is the growth rate, because these things are, are businesses that can grow exponentially over time, because it's like, if you're making something great, reaching the people, having the people in the world find it and fall in love with it, who are the people that it's meant to reach, the rate at which you are able to do that actually comes to dominate any sort of like percentage fee that you can charge. And so if we are doing a good job of what we set out to do, if we're helping writers be very successful, the the difference in growth rate is going to totally swamp the difference in fees and i think that will the the people who are going to have the most successful of these businesses will recognize that
0: i think we should leave it there hamish chris thank you for time appreciate it thank you thank you thanks again to hamish and chris for coming on It is the first time i've done a intercontinental conversation on this podcast i think um glad they got on glad we could bring you two episodes of recode media this week thanks to zach for sitting in and Jelani, who is getting vaccinated. Go Jelani. Thanks to Joel for editing this show. Thanks to our sponsors for bringing it to you for free. And thanks to you guys for listening. This is Recode Media. See you soon.